And now for something completely machinima. Welcome to the next part of our Star Wars based and Spotify themed episode of And Now for Something Machinima. Uh, today we'll be looking at our film selection of the month. Uh, well, we'll be keeping on theme with the space uh, thing that we can go for. So, um, Tracy, you've uh, found something good. Yeah, I've got a great little film I think you'll really enjoy. It's called The Mandalorian Rap by JT Music, which when I found it a couple of weeks ago, was these guys were called JT Machinima, so they changed their name in the last couple of weeks for, for whatever reason, I'm not too sure. Anyway, this, um, this film, this uh, Mandalorian Rap, was released on 8th of February last year. Uh, it's a very witty and cleverly done rap song to extracts from... The Mandalorian. Basically, um, it's it's not about the Mandalorian or about Grogu, but it's it's about being a single dad. Um, and this particular one has subtitles, um, so that those of you are who are struggling to sort of follow the the rap itself or um, can just uh, appreciate the real depth of wit that's gone into um, writing uh, writing the, the 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 rap itself. It's it's brilliant. Um, JT Music is actually a two-man group with quite a colourful cast of subcontractors um, who round out their team. The two primary members of it are John, otherwise known as Pat, and Christian, who's otherwise known as Skull. Um, And basically, these are two guys that that grew up across the street from one another in southern Maine. They started um, this this, um, uh, uh, production company, uh, accidentally when they created their first music uh, video uh, back in 2008 and posted on online uh, to, basically to share it with friends and family which which went viral within 48 hours and, and um, you know they're, they're, they're clearly prolific these guys make uh, hundreds or have made hundreds and hundreds of video game raps um, over the years since 2008 um, and you can catch some of it on on their YouTube channel. I'd say they, these guys are now professional. They're happy for folks to use their songs, um, but there are very clear licensing terms and conditions which you need to read before you do use any of their songs. Um, what I really like about this is these, these guys are, are, are clearly a great example of doing what they love to do for fun, um, but they also make it pay. Uh, and it's really, really well done. What did you guys think? I loved it, particularly the music, uh, the, the the amount of craft that clearly was employed, not just with the the wit and the rhythm of the lyric, but the the actual music uh, composition. It's just exceptionally well done, and and uh, very. It's nice to see someone uh, with the talent and also taking the time to get it right, like that. And uh, yeah, it's I'm sure all that practice from all the many many videos, like you said is part of that. Uh, they're, they're, they're really good at what they do. And it was, it was very enjoyable to watch. Yeah, I have to agree. And I'm not particularly talented creating music myself, but I, obviously I like to listen. And um, a song like this, you can tell that they spent a lot of time getting the lyrics right. And I was impressed by how they captured the theme of the, sh- the, theme of the Mandalorian show, which is um, a single dad looking after his um, boy and, Obviously, uh, in the Mandalorian, it's a very dangerous uh, world that they, they live in and that's a big part of 
and there are lots of memes about um, single dad caring for his child um, that fans have uh, made. And obviously, these guys have taken a, a step further and created an entire song about it. So I think they did a really good job on it, and it fits the show perfectly. Yeah, yeah, I agree with Phil and and you, Damien. That very, very excellent music uh, and the story, the witty di- uh, witty lyrics. Um, I even enjoyed it more the second time I watched it. Uh, it it's such a well edited and uh, well composed songs. It was also an interesting experience because great machinima producers, great producers of anything. Um, one of their pieces acts like a doorway that opens them up to the rest of their work. As soon as I saw this, I wanted to see tons more of their work. And I just started swallowing up all of their, they're, they're very uh, uh, active. They, they create tons and tons of uh, music videos and all of them are witty and funny. I just loved it. And I'm really glad you picked it. It's such a, usually this is the kind of thing that I don't like, but this, I just loved. I thought it was great. Yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed it too. There's, there are other Star Wars themed um, videos on there as well. One I, one, another one I picked out was um, Star Wars Jedi Fall, Fallen Order Rap, um, which was a 2019 one. That's, that's another great one. Similar sort of uh, thing, similar great storytelling, great music, millions of views, really, really impressive stuff. It reminded me a little bit of the, uh, it had the same impact that still seeing Breen music video, uh, all those of you who are older Machinima fans, uh, by Paul, um, what's his last name, Paul? Marino. Marino uh, did. He did a Half-Life uh, video using the G-Man as the central character and a very popular music. He didn't compose original music for it, but it was just so funny and so witty. And it was great to see the G-Man uh, capering about in ways that you just didn't expect him to to, to react. But uh, I just love this. And I, I can't wait to see more of uh, JT Music's uh, work and creations. Yeah, that's a good film. So, Ricky, what did you choose uh, this month? I chose, I had a lot of movies. That's one of the fun things about uh, doing the film selections is because I just have list after list after list. Every day I go to YouTube and I type Machinima in and I select 24 hours. And I see what's been posted there at YouTube and also at Vimeo. And I come up with the most interesting things. And of course, this is space themed. So I came up with an interesting movie shot in Star Citizen. Um called Citizen Log 0001 by Geeks Actively Making Entertainment. And it's a a log of a a person in this uh, universe of of star travel. And uh, the most interesting thing about this person, uh, which I think the game uh, encourages, I think it's built into the game using the director mode, um, to be able to create these sort of logs. And that's an old uh, sci-fi trope. Uh, the uh, the person in a science fiction film, either on a space station or a ship, making logs that they send either back to their their relatives or that they are required to as part of their their job. So this is a log, but the difference is that the person making the log is a complete and utter loser. And 
it is all done in sort of black humor, uh, very much like the Eastern European science fiction that I love so much, Stanislaw Lem and the Strugatsky brothers and all of those. And you follow his adventures, having spent all of his money on a new spacesuit. He decides, uh, and, and of course, it's everybody's everybody else's fault that he's uh, having troubles and he's spent all of his money. Um, so he's got that Woody Allen sort of nebbish quality to him. And he decides he wants to do something to make some money, but he can't shoot anything. He's not a soldier. He's not smart. So he starts looking on this sort of bullet bulletin board kind of thing. And it, he sees that there are bounties. And one of the bounties is for lost people. So he decides he's going to take this bounty up for this lost person who got lost exploring a cave. So he flies to this cave. And of course he has these awful adventures on the way because he's not very good at flying a ship. And of course it's the ship's fault, the ship's design fault. And the actor playing this role, is just as an actor myself, I was so impressed with his ability to be the kind of character that you want to scream at, but you laugh at at the same time, you know? And so he ends up going to finding this cave. He goes to the cave. Um, he ends up falling down a hole. Um, and it's, of course, it's not his fault that he fell down the hole. And he's floating around. He comes across a dead body in a spacesuit. And he realizes it's the guy that he's looking for. And so, yay, he's going to make the money. He's just got to get the guy, let the people know that he's here. But he realizes falling down the hole, he's completely lost in this cave system and he has no idea how to get out. And of course, it's panic. I'm going to die. Oh, my God, this is terrible. So he crawls and crawls and crawls and you go through his his complaining and his fears and he finally gets a way out. And he's so delighted because he's going to get the uh, uh, reward, gets in a ship, takes off. And that's the end. That's number one of a series of journals that he does. I thought it was, A, it was really well shot. Star Citizen's director mode really makes it easy to, 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 to move the camera around, to create focal length, to create different camera kind of shots in it. Um, the guy used the camera really well, uh, but it was the performance and the writing. I don't know how much was ad lib and how much was scripted, but it, it is so funny in this very black humored way and it's an anti-Star Wars whereas the hero would be somebody who constantly achieves, he gets the girl he takes care of the villains he's an expert and everything this guy was a failure at everything and you saw that all the way through it and I just love that, I just thought it was so funny and so interesting and I'm, I'm ex excited about Star Citizen I'd like to make something in that game, I'm going to definitely buy it right off the bat yeah, this is, a, this is a video I really enjoyed as well. I've been following Star Citizen's development ever since the original crowdfunding campaign. And it, I know it's, um, it's been a long time coming and it's still got a long way to go. So I kind of drift in and out of it. So when I saw this video, you kind of get the feel for how far it's come since, well, basically since it launched and they had like a, a short video they'd put together. Um, but part of it is they wanted to have people to play it and live out their own space fantasy no matter what it is and so the guy who made this video um his fantasy was obviously to um be be the loser who uh has this sort of misadventure and is complaining all the way through uh and this gives you that freedom to do that and i think this video really shows what i can do and it's also 
very interesting to have that sort of vlog format. So it's sort of like a let's play video, but it's not because he's completely in character and the character is in the world. He's not ah. he's not the player talking. He is the character. That's a good but point. It's, it's, yeah, it's kind of got that feel to it, but in a different kind of way. And I, I really enjoyed it. Now, you mentioned uh, at one point you said that the developers had um, encouraged people to send them uh, videos. And that's how the director's mode came about, right? Yeah, that's right. So um, the crowdfunding campaign was successful. And about a month later, the developers had hired an office space and they moved in and they got to work on the game. But they wanted to keep the community um, updated and involved, but they didn't really have anything to show because the game was basically just starting. Um, so one of the developers, he decided to host um, a weekly video session where he would answer questions that that fans had sent in and give little updates on the game. Um, so he was doing that for a few weeks, and then one fan had thrown together this sci-fi costume, and he recorded a video of himself as if he was having some sort of space adventure, shooting at things that couldn't, you couldn't see on camera. And he kind of stopped turning the camera and said, um, I'm in the middle of this mission, but I really want to know, uh, will the game let me do whatever this question was? And then he kind of carried on through it and the video finished. And that inspired other fans to send in videos like that. And it became the point where they were only answering questions in video format because they were getting so many of them. Um, and then fans started saying, well, can we actually make videos in Star Citizen uh, when it, it's released? And developers said, yeah, we'd like to see that. And then they started looking at how could they make that easier for fans to do. So the director's mode that we see used in this video is the result of that many years later. But that's how it got started. That's so smart of them. One yeah. thing I'm curious about, I don't I don't know how much you know about it, uh, Damien, but I was I, th I was sucked into this video like with the first 30 seconds simply because of uh, th the accuracy of the lip sync was was quite good and the facial expressions. And I'm curious about if you know, like, how is that? How does the game capture that? Uh, is that something that somebody had to go back and edit similar to how you would do if you were doing it in iClone or is it? Is it maybe picking it up off of a webcam? Or uh, I'm really curious about that because I mean the, the the character when he's speaking at the beginning, he, you know his eyebrows will raise and eyes get real wide, and at one point he kind of puffs his cheeks. It's like uh, it didn't really even matter what was going to happen the rest of it. I was determined to watch the whole thing just because you just don't see people puff their cheeks in Machinima very often. <laughs> let's be honest. It just doesn't happen. <laughs> That's true. I can't um, think of what, you know maybe maybe in The Sims, but you can't control when they do it. You know, so, so I do, uh, do you know much about how that part of it works, Damien? I can't go. I don't know all the specifics, but I do remember a few years ago they were talking about how they wanted to incorporate voice chat in the game. So because it's an online game, so they want players to be able to voice chat with each other. Okay. But they wanted to make it. They wanted to make it not just a voice chat. So they would incorporate um, the lip sync would automatically be whatever's coming through the microphone, and it goes straight onto their character. And I believe they were looking at faceware to get the whole webcam facial. That must uh, be what they well. did then. Yeah, it's very effective. I mean, maybe not as as you know spot on accurate as what somebody used to work in an Unreal or iClone would would like. But I mean, if that's just done, if if what we see here is what was captured at the time it's recorded, 
it's quite remarkable. Like if you, if you think about how much work it would take to handcraft those motions of face and, or like Ricky was talking about with iClone uh, in the previous episode of, you know, recording it a layer at a time, which is wonderful to be able to do that, but that's a lot of time. Uh, and to, the fact that it got this, this good a result, and maybe, I don't know how well it will work for serious stuff. It worked really well for comedy. Um, anyway, I was, yeah. I was impressed by that. The, yeah. the, the feel of the story and that whole, you know, kind of born loser element that, uh, that Ricky picked up on reminded me of a very old text adventure game made by Infocom written by a guy named Steve Moretzky. It was called Planetfall. It's one of those interactive uh, fiction where it's just text on the screen. So if you're, you know, uh, younger than me, you're probably going, why would I want to do that? Um, I remember this game. As Jim Gaffigan once, once famously said, uh, uh, someone, he talked about having seen a movie and really loved it. And someone says, yo, the book is much better than the movie. And his response was, you know what I like about the movie? No reading. So, yeah, people people today, I don't know if they would get text adventures, but Zork and games like that. Well, anyway, Planetfall got a little got a little away from me there. But uh, Planetfall, you, you the protagonist that you control is essentially a janitor. I mean, he's he's got the, like the lowest rank in the space force possible, and his <laughs> his job is to mop the decks. And he's on this spaceship planning to go AWOL. And the spaceship crashes onto the planet. Uh, and he's there alone, basically, and having to, to kind of solve this mystery and solve these different puzzles. And he encounters this, this, this weird little robot named Floyd. But yeah, his whole, the, the <laughs> beginning of it, the sense of this character that you get is that he's, he's, a, you know, he's, he's, a, he's an underachiever, let's say. And uh, yeah, this this film gave me that same sense, and just, just wonderfully acted, wonderfully performed. Uh, and what I loved most about it was the fact that whatever performance capture that they're using there, whatever that tech is, it went really well with the performance that actor was giving. Like it, it, I, I feel like I got a real sense of what that actor was doing with their face and with their, you know, mouth and all of that. Um, so whatever the tech is, it's very impressive and, and seems like it would be a lot of fun. Tracy, you want to Tracy, what was your oh, reaction? Well, I, I loved it. I thought it was, it was a really, really uh, great story. I love the style of it. The last time I'd seen this sort of style used was uh, in The Martian, Matt Damon's um, sort of monologic sort of self documenting style although that was told with 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 more positivity and 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 humor and what have you this guy's you know you just completely got who this guy was and he was not somebody you'd be proud to know i don't think (laughs) probably probably even his mother would probably say something very similar (laughs) from the way he was talking about her but um yeah i absolutely loved it it was was a such a well-developed character even though it was monologue you know you really got a sense of who the guy was uh, and you know the, the the actor had clearly got into that into that character the sense of a backstory as well which I, I also really enjoyed um so yeah brilliant really loved it really would like to have a go with that game actually as well just to yeah. um you know see how you can do all of that 
And can you imagine you were the guy who's the head of the the booth or the place that has all of the uh, job listings when the, when this fellow comes in? <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm, um, I don't, you know. I, I Your know face I would drop, wouldn't it? <laughs> like it would take him, it would take him 10, minutes to, 10 minutes to finally get to ask the question that he wanted to ask. Yeah. It's the kind of thing when you're in a bookstore and you're working in the bookstore and a person like that comes in and you just immediately groan to yourself. Oh. <laughs> See, Ricky, I think this is another film idea that you can do. Is have a, a film about the guy in that place dealing with him. <laughs> that's true. I never, I never thought of that. That's, that's very good. Very good. Yeah, no, I really enjoyed it. Great pick. Great pick. Yeah. And so uh, this month I picked... Um, keep on theme i picked a star wars video called shadow of the republic now this is made by cinematic captures uh, it's a youtube channel and it's a, i believe it's a small team that uh, puts these videos together and they're using the unreal uh, game engine uh, to, to, to do all this but uh and they've done uh, quite a few of them i picked shadow of the republic because it's sort of ties in with the clone wars cartoon uh, series um, and it's about a group of clone troopers on this mission, and they've been told to to go and uh, deal with this uh, politician who is a traitor, um, and that the clones protecting him are actually the droids, which are the bad guys in in the Clone Wars, uh, but in wearing the armor as the disguise. So these troops go in and they carry out the mission, uh, but you kind of get the there's a kind of a thing where just before they kill the politician. Um, he's surprised they're there because he's not actually a traitor and they've been sent on this mission to assassinate him but they don't really realise it um, and I just really like the whole animation style with it because the, the, the rooms they set up look fantastic and so do the character costumes there's kind of an element of is this actually animated or is it these people actually wearing costumes with a camera um, and that kind of stood out to me a little bit and also, the voices of the clones sound just like the voice actor that voiced the clones in the animated huh. series. Huh. Um, so I checked the credits to make sure that they got him in it, but he hadn't. It was someone doing a really, really good impression. Hmm. And I think that also helps capture the uh, atmosphere of the series and links in nicely uh, with the official productions. So what do you guys yeah, think? As, I, as I've mentioned at some point, uh, uh, me and my son are uh, working our way through uh, during this past year of COVID working our way through the whole Clone Wars series, the, the original stuff. And then uh, also Star Wars Rebels. Um, the thing that jumped out to me about this is having just recently watched those. And I realized that those were made quite a few years before this, but the, the visual fidelity, the quality of the visuals in this and the lighting and everything is way better than the professional television show. Ah. It really is much better looking image, much more dynamic contrast, the lighting and, and the way the light interacts with the costumes and everything, which is, um, I mean, that I don't think any of us by this point are surprised that unreal engine can do that. Um, obviously with the professional uses, it's got as well, but anyway, so in that respect, it was great. And I, uh, I owe too, Damien. I didn't go checking the credits, but I was not sure whether that was the actual uh, actor 
that uh, voices the clones uh, and uh, and also you know Boba Fett in the in the Mandalorian that that actor and Jango Fett in the movie. We should probably know his name, but I don't. In the um, Clone Wars cartoon, it's actually a different voice actor. Oh, is it really? What's in the clones? It's, okay. Uh, Tamara Morrison played him in the live-action installments in, in, in the Mandalorian TV show, but it's okay. a different voice actor whose name I should know as well, but I'm afraid I don't. Uh, well, in any case, it, it, it really lent to the the authentic feel of uh, yeah. the story. If there's any criticism that I would have, it's... Uh, there was a, it wasn't hard for me to get a little bit confused about who was who, uh, and especially with them, you know, j- just like in Clone Wars, with everyone sharing the same voice, you got to really make sure that the camera makes clear who is who, and also, if it's going to be at all important for these characters to be identified as distinct individuals. I found that the technique that they used in the show was to give them some kind of a uh, a visual identifier that made them look different from the others. So especially with the the Bad Batch, Damien, you'll know who I'm talking about there. That yeah. the group of clones who actually they're getting their own show here in the very near future on Disney Plus. Those are all clones as well, but each one of them has a different look and maybe even a, a slightly different tone of voice even if it's the same voice yeah where you, you can identify them by name uh, yeah. or by nickname yeah. very easily um and i i feel like a, a challenge in shows like this in shows like red versus blue any of the helmet shows where they're going to look very similar that some kind of distinctive mark there were some distinctive marks by the way they didn't all look exactly the same but i feel like that the differences visually were very subtle to where, you know, with if you've only got this this length of time to watch the video, I've got to be able to identify with them in some way uh, fairly quickly. Um, here's another Star Wars example of a brilliant, essentially prop that was used uh, to help the audience with this problem, and that is in the Force Awakens, the uh, the stormtrooper who uh, ends up, oh, this is so stupid that I can't remember his name. The Finn? one who ends up becoming a major character. Finn. Uh, Finn, thank you. Boy, that is really dumb. I, 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 we I'm can cut that bit out if you like. Game card. Yeah. Finn, this, this stormtrooper who in the opening scenes of the movie kind of wakes up to the situation that he's in and doesn't, doesn't want to be a stormtrooper anymore. Well, early on in the battle, another trooper dies and like puts a bloody smears, a bloody handprint on his helmet. And that wasn't just for, you know, for Gore's sake for every scene after that, where there's a hundred other stormtroopers there, you can easily right away. Boom. I know who Finn is. I know which one Finn is yeah. with his helmet on. That's a brilliant tactic built right into the story. Cause that blood and seeing that guy die is kind of what woke him up. So it's got that significance, but also it just makes it really easy for us to tell who's who. And you could see that in all kinds of movies that have similar looking characters. There'll be some kind of distinctive mark or change in uniform or something that just makes the character you're supposed to pay attention to a little bit different. And I feel like that they could have done that a little bit better in this movie. But overall, production quality and everything, uh, just, just really well done. 
Yeah. Can I, can I to, just to pick up on that? Um, yeah. I didn't detect what you just um, mentioned there because what I thought that was particularly good about it, although although the um, you know the visuals were great and everything, but I thought what was particularly good was the soundscape, and the scan- soundscape for me operated on two levels, which is where I thought the continuity was really clever. Uh, the first bit being inside the helmet of the lead character. And every time I, you heard them talk to one another, you always heard it through the one helmet. Well, that's what I picked. I thought I picked up. Okay. Which to me no. was the continuity of who is the character. And I thought that was brilliantly done. Mm. Really nice touch. I hadn't really seen or I hadn't been aware of that being done so well in other similar types of, you know, helmet films um, that I've seen. That sort of inside the helmet, um, you know, way of, of um, doing the continuity rather than the the, the distinction between the, the uniforms, if you like, of the... Right, right. The yeah, that hadn't made an impression on me. I'll, I'll, I'll look forward to watching that again and, and pay more attention to that. I'm glad you're yeah, like I'd like to do the same thing, yeah. The other, the other part of the... the you know the the um, soundscape, of course, was was the um, you know the music overlay, and that opens. So I didn't know whether that was a, a break in the continuity, really, because that that operated as a an overarching and maybe a dominant level. But this inside the helmet thing, I thought worked really well for me. Hmm. Yeah. I, think I think for some productions, the music would be overwhelming, but in the style of Star Wars, Star Wars has always been there. There's music almost every moment of the films like it's just john williams all over the place in it there's there's never rarely rarely a quiet moment with no score going on i actually years ago i think probably on one of the the old overcast podcasts ricky and i were talking about it and that was something that 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 tended to aggravate ricky of that, that there can be too much score you know and i think he's right that that it can be be that way but in this instance, uh, that is the, the stylistic approach, I think, that's been established for Star Wars, that it's going to have score throughout, pretty much. Yeah. And, well, that's, and there are of... different themes for different characters that kick in, and they weave together, and there's a Luke theme, and then there's a Leia theme, and then when Luke and Leia are talking, it weaves them both. And I mean, John Williams is just an absolute genius. Really, yeah. really, just, un- even to say that is like, that's, that's an understatement. So as as far as I'm concerned, he is absolutely amazing. So yeah, I th- I think that it's it's consistent with the way they use score in Star Wars, generally speaking. Yeah, there was an interview with uh, Lucas uh, that I read uh, preparing for the show, in which he talked about uh, music and sound being fifty percent of the production. Uh, I'd say in some films it's seventy five percent of the <laughs> production for him because that's typical of his work. He loves to orchestrates sound and music. And it's, and I think it's important to note that he includes sound in that as well, uh, because the yes. sound of all yes, of this is right. really, really great. Yeah, sound's definitely a big part of Star Wars. It's got very distinctive sound effects. Like if you hear a lightsaber sound, uh, lightsaber hum, you know instantly what it is, even if you can't see it. Or a, a TIE fighter, um, they use that quite nicely in the, the films as well is you hear the sound of the engine before you see it and the characters recognize it instantly as well so yeah. you, both the characters and the audience know what's coming uh, and they can both react 
uh, to it. And uh, I think so that's one of those things that Star Wars does really well. It certainly does. If I could, if I could be a little bit of devil's advocate here on oh, the subject God, here of it comes. Star Wars, <laughs> yeah, here it comes. Control, but has anyone else noticed that there's like I think there are basically I'm going to say there are five different sounds that Chewbacca makes. <laughs> and those same five sounds, not someone imitating those, those five sounds throughout all the Star Wars appearances of Chewbacca. There that's the that's them. Or uh oh, even worse. I think that the uh the Imperial probe droid that the guy? Yeah. There's two sounds. <laughs> and every time there's an Imperial probe droid in any Star Wars movie, any Star Wars series, it's... <laughs> oh no, it's transmitting our location. Did you hear that? <laughs> it's the same sounds, two of them. <laughs> so then when you have on Hoth, where there's an Imperial probe droid, <laughs> and then Chewbacca, <laughs> you know, trying to get his attention. It's like they only needed four sound effects for that entire scene. <laughs> And one of them was the blaster shot from Han. The second one was the explosion. The third one was... They just had... To, where is that? Where, where do we keep that sound? That's in this folder. Let's pop it in. Imperial probe droid. It's the same sound. The sound mixer on that day was very happy and probably took a long lunch. Yeah, you know, if people make royalties on sound samples... That dude is just, he's killing it, right? (laughs) Just one day. It was probably an outtake from some other thing. Hey, you know what would be funny is if I did, that'd be great, right? And they just like, dude, that is gold. That's it. you do it again, please? Uh, (laughs) Anyway. All right. I I got that out of my system. Thank you. I feel like you. Thank you, Phil. I'm really. Thanks for sharing that. So, uh, in Air to the Empire, when there's a probe droid, I know exactly who to cast to do the the sound effects for it. That's that's right. Right. (laughs) It'll get picked up by YouTube as as a a copyright violation because there is only one sound for Imperial Probe Droid. (laughs) Indeed. Indeed. That's it. That's the only sound. So, um, so yeah, with that, I guess let's move on to uh, to my pick for this week. Which, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't have, a, I don't have a pick this week. Um, have you ever, or this month? Uh, so, uh, you're not going to weasel out of this one, Phil. Come on, you know, yeah, we're uh, watching you. <laughs> Okay, so I used to think that in the days of Netflix and Hulu and even Disney Plus, we've got Netflix, we've got Hulu, we've got Disney Plus, and yet somehow, sometimes you're right back in the same boat as you were when you had cable TV, which is that you turn it on and you're like, oh my God, 810 channels and there's nothing, I just, there's nothing to watch. You know, <laughs> and Netflix is that way now. You know, uh, net, once once you binge enough, then it's like, well, now what am I going to watch? You know, or you go to Hulu and you you discover a great new show. Uh, Tracy, you'll probably Damien, you might be familiar with this one too. Doc Martin. Yes. Have you guys ever seen Doc Martin? Yes. Oh my God, it's a revelation. It's so good, so good. It's like. Uh, 
Dr. House meets Columbo meets I don't know what. It's so wonderful. There's only five seasons on Hulu. And then now it's I, we watched it all in like two weeks, you know. Of course, British seasons tend to be a little shorter than yeah, ours, yeah. but still. And so you reach a point where, okay, even Hulu or Netflix, even they don't know what to recommend. They're just like, uh, I don't know, one of the Police Academy movies? <laughs> uh, here, try try this. Have you ever watched this really no. bad Swiss knockoff of the Vikings show? No, no, no I... <laughs> And so that to me was my my hunting experience. I'm kind of embarrassed now because you guys looking specifically for sci-fi machinima found these three picks. Well, Mandalorian rap isn't really machinima, is it? But still, you found something to talk about, yes. right? Well, well, I, I have because... to admit, I did struggle to find. I so, watched hours yeah. of stuff and none of them are anything that I, I would want to talk about on here because I... I don't want people to hate me, you know, uh, for e for either being nice to a horrible film or being awful to a just okay film. And yeah. I just really couldn't. And, and now I'm like, I, I listened, Ricky, to what you said your method was, which is just look for the stuff in the last 24 hours, which I've done that from time to time. But this time I went specifically, I guess my Google foo just isn't very good because, oh, man, I could not find anything that I'd want to talk about. It, it actually made me quite irritated. Uh, well, don't forget, you can always uh, pull, pull a classic that you love from the past. Yeah, and, and I was so tempted to do that. but I, and, and then the next thing you know, it's like the last minute, and Damien's reminded me yesterday of, Phil, you still don't have a pick, man. And I'm like, oh, crap. You know, and, and so then I didn't even leave myself enough time to, to thoughtfully pick one from the archive. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's, my, that's my situation. So I, I'm not just going to lump a problem in everyone's lap without a solution. Here's my solution. I would love for some listener or listeners out there to help me out. Send me a pick or picks. Uh, it doesn't have to be sci-fi themed, uh, just anything. What's really good. Don't send me your own stuff. That's a little bit puffed up, isn't it? Send me somebody else's film, or if it's your film, get one of your friends to send it to me, but don't send me your own. I don't want self promos for this. I just want to watch something really good. I'm not terribly picky, uh, but I do want something that's good. And that's the only adjective I'm going to use. It needs to be good. Just, just, just make it good. And include a dollar with each letter that you send, Phil. And <laughs> that's you'll be right. Able to and help then him. if you copy that letter, and send it with a dollar to 10 of your friends with a list of the previous 10. No, we're not going to do that. No, but seriously, uh, to get in touch with us, folks, it's it's not hard. You can leave us a voicemail on reverb.chat. You can text us right on your mobile phone. So if you're riding along on your motorcycle listening to this podcast right now, you don't have to pull over. Just pull out your phone while you're driving. It's completely safe. <laughs> no, don't do that. Definitely do that. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, there's lots of ways to reach out to us. I would love it if you'd email it to me at talk at completethemachinima.com. You could leave it as a comment on one of our blog posts. I'll I'll be watching everywhere. Uh, I want to hear from you guys because the four of us are you know we're pretty good as as this list today shows you. We're pretty good at finding good stuff, but where where we could really use help more than anything is. There's just too much for us to watch and find the good stuff on our own.
whereas you guys probably stumble across it from time to time, you know, by accident. You end up stumbling upon something that's like, wow, this is great. Well, now you know what to do with that. Send us that pick. I'm going to take it as my own and uh, not not share it with the others. But <laughs> I was just going to say, <laughs> please do share them with us because I want to see them as well. Waste, yeah, then I don't waste a quarter of a show segment uh, hissing and moaning about not being able to find anything. So. Now, I think you uh, and, actually raise a really good point because there are, yeah. there's so much content out there that it can be really hard to, uh, especially when you've got a theme to stick to uh, and there's so much of it out there, you can't narrow it down to just one film. Uh, so I think it's a really good point that you've raised there and uh, anyone listening, please do send Phil your recommendations. That would be very helpful. Yeah. All right, so we've covered our films for this week. Um and uh, Phil's already mentioned how to get back to us with uh, well, uh, ways to uh, contact us with your feedback and, of course, films for Phil to have a look at. Um, so, yeah, thank you for listening and we'll join us in the next part of And Now for Something Completely Machinima. Yeah.